Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Flying Tortuga Brothers podcast. I'm Carl Stoveland, along with my fellow Flying Tortuga brother, Shannon Torrance. How you doing, Carl? I'm doing great. How's your, well, I guess it's been two weeks since our last recording. How you been doing? Really good. It's been, it's been a really busy two weeks. It's been a lot of fun. I've been watching your social media output. You've been spending some studio time, gotten a lot of paintings done, huh? Yeah, yeah. Had my first international sale, which was kind of fun. Oh, that's a big milestone. Yeah, yeah. Terrific. So. And uh, I spent Tuesday in Big Cypress. I went to Clyde Butcher's gallery and um, met Scott Randolph, one of his guides. And I think it's my fifth time now in the swamp. And we changed it up a little bit this time and went in at 6 a.m. So we had headlamps on and uh, was able to be in the dome as the sun was coming up and the dawn chorus is going on around us. All the frogs are chirping away and the birds are singing. It was really kind of amazing. So that was a, and I spent three hours photographing in the swamp. So that was, you know, I, I'm, I'm riding that for the next week or so. Definitely. We're also very excited that uh, we have a guest this week that Shannon landed for us and we couldn't be happier. Um. I'm elated. I'm over. I'm over the moon. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you find out how long she's been where we want to be. <laughs> That's right. So our guest this week is Kelly Clark, who um, was a ranger in the Dry Tortugas National Park for 16 years. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thanks. Nice to be here, guys. It's really nice to talk to you in person after uh, the flurry of emails and permission slips and everything we had to go through to be able to make this happen. Yeah, you know, good old government work. Got to go through about 15 steps, but uh, we're here. Cool. And we're going to jump right into the interview. So um, I guess one of the things that when I talk to people about the Flying Tortuga Brothers project Um, A lot of people don't know what and where the Dry Tortugas are. So how about we start with uh, a little bit of that? What is the Dry Tortugas National Park? Yeah, sure. So, um, wow, the Dry Tortugas National Park is spectacular. It's uh, one of the smallest national parks. The park boundary uh, creates about 100 square miles. It's roughly 10 miles east to west by 10 miles north to south. And 98% of that park is considered underwater or, or open water. And the uh, park proper sits 68 miles west of Key West, Florida, and about 90 miles north of Havana, Cuba. So a uh, very remote location. And the only way you can get there is by boat or plane. And uh, that's, you know, quite an undertaking. So it's a real commitment to get out there. But once out there, it's incredible, and there are currently seven islands within that 100 square miles, of which we have uh, structures on two of those islands, and then the rest are just natural in the in the marine ecosystem out there. And you said currently because the islands appear and disappear with storms and over time, right? Yeah, it's a really dynamic um, situation out there, and and even right now we have three islands that are joined together and that's um, garden key. The fort is Fort Jefferson. And then to the East of that, you have Bush key. When I started going out there, those islands, Bush key and garden key were not connected. And um, that actually used to be pretty much the main boating channel that I used to travel through on the ferry and then have watched this process of uh, these islands fit and separate and fill in again. 
That's really kind of cool. Within the Dry Tortugas, the two islands that have buildings on them, one is obviously Fort Jefferson, the, the giant fort that is what really the Dry Tortugas are known for. But then the second island is Loggerhead Key, where the artists who are the artists and residents, and that's where Shannon and I come in because we are in the process of applying for the residency on Loggerhead Key. That is the other building, other island that has a structure on it at this point, I believe. That's the old um, lighthouse keeper's house. Correct. There's actually several buildings out on Loggerhead Key. So Loggerhead Key is the largest key within the Dry Tortugas National Park. And it has its own unique and rich history. And we're really thrilled that um, the artist in residency program has been added to Dry Tortugas and out to Loggerhead. So it's throughout history, it's been a uh, lighthouse station. And so you have a lighthouse out there from that was constructed around 1858 and some associated buildings from that era uh, all the way through the 20th century. And then Loggerhead's other big presence was for about 35 years at, from 19, 1905, 1904 to about 35, somewhere around there. It was a Marine Research Institute, uh, the Carnegie Marine Research in- Institute. And so there are also some ruins out there from that period of time. Cool. I had read about that and I was looking forward to checking that out when we what Shannon and I always, since the moment we applied for last year, have said when we get to Loggerhead, it's never if we get accepted, it's when we get yeah. to Loggerhead. It's one of the most remote artist residencies because you are cut off. You know, there is no internet. Yeah. However, um, as I understand it, there is solar power and a desalination plant. So there would be water and electricity. You are correct to a degree. So yeah, you're, it's, it's remote. You are cut off. You, anybody, uh, you guys, when you get there or any other artist is going to be out there for 30 days, uh, no cell service, no internet, no TV. Uh, occasionally you can pick up a little radio out of Cuba or elsewhere. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah. And, um, and there is a small solar array that um, can allow you to run a little bit of AC um, if necessary during the day, if you're taking a break or you're indoors. And then we have a reverse osmosis system that would generate, that does generate the drinking water. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's out there and, and you will be there and you'll be doing your artwork, but you'll learn how to unplug the RO pipe and, check the check the photovoltaic system and um you'll be connected back to garden key to park service via a radio um that uh is you know as much for safety as anything else and you know we'll do status checks and make sure everybody's okay you know and uh but we really try to leave the artists alone and really allow you to submerge yourself in the environment and your craft. And, um, it's really an incredible experience to be on loggerhead key. You know, a lot of times I I've, I've compared it to, you know, when you're in that, in the desert and that overwhelming silence of the desert that sometimes can become very loud. Mm. Loggerhead key has the same effect. You know, you you're out there and all you hear is rustling palm fronds and a little bit of the water and other natural noises and it's 
it's really an experience that I think is hard to come by in the United States anymore, or maybe even the world, but definitely in this country due to, you know, development. And so it's, it's really something special. You're absolutely right about that. As part of, uh, my life as a photographer and now a filmmaker and with the podcast, I've really gotten into recording my own sound and have started going into the Everglades with a recorder and microphones and trying to record the dawn chorus or the birds or whatever I can hear at certain times. And it just blows my mind that I turn up the microphone to get the birds and within five minutes I'll hear an airplane and I'll hear a car that's, you know, miles away. It just makes me crazy that there are really no places left that we can go to that are like that. And Shannon and I may be the two odd ducks in the bunch because the two of us heard about this and we're like cut off from the world. Yeah. Sign us up. And everyone we know, when we told about it, we're like, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good for the soul. It's good for the mind. It's good for the body. And, um, you know, a lot of people do, they kind of have this freak out like, Oh, you sure you want to do this or can you do this? And it doesn't take long, guys. You know, you get out there and, you know, it's a little shell shocking at first and you're you literally are overwhelmed. It's sensory overload. The colors of the water, the intensity of the heat, when you start to have that Google Earth perspective and realize the small piece of land you're standing on out in the Gulf of Mexico, it's pretty overwhelming, you know, but once you rein that in and you slow everything down, you really start to tune into just a whole nother level of kind of peacefulness and understanding of why it's so important that this place is a national park and we're working to conserve and preserve it. Uh, Yeah. And thank God you are because like I, I had just said, there are just so few places left where that magic is really still available. And uh, we really are two people that are like, yeah, sign us up. We really want to do this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that's why we decided when we did not get accepted for the 2019 September that we weren't going to put our heads in the sand. We were going to go all guns in and do everything we could, make a real big social media presence, work on starting a film that will be done while we're on the island and so we've been recording footage and we've got the podcast and we're we're talking to all these interesting people who have been on one residency or another and looking forward to talking to more of them so i think when it comes time to send in the application this year we're going to really knock their socks off that's the plan great yeah Yeah. good stuff carl sort of had the idea that we needed the uh the backstory so so when we we get it um (laughs) accepted we would have the backstory the lead up to it um the questions we had the thoughts we had because once once obviously you get it then you're probably not going to think about the past anymore at at that point because you're going to be preparing to go um so in preparation to go i was thinking about fishing and i've seen videos um of people um, going there on their own private vessels and fishing within the park boundaries um it is legal Mm -hmm. to fish there correct Yes, in part of the park. So um, you can fish over 50, you can fish in 52% of the park. It's basically the northwest quadrant, the 48% of the northwest quadrant is uh, what we call the research natural area. And that was put into place around 2007 or nine. I don't have the date exactly right, somewhere around there. 
And that was a created a no take, no anchor natural research area within Dry Tortugas National Park. And the biggest reason for that was um, due to the, the fish that spawn within the tortugas end up being um, huge contributors to commercial and recreation fishing throughout the Florida Keys and then even up the East Coast all the way into the Carolinas. And we were seeing diminished uh, fish size and fish populations of some of the key species. And so they instituted this research natural area. And in the roughly 10 years it's been in place, they've actually seen these numbers start to come back. And so um, you can fish in parts of the park, but just not in that research natural area. Gotcha. Gotcha. You can, you can, the fort sits within that research natural area, but um, there's a one nautical mile hole in the donut. So if you radiate out one nautical mile from Fort Jefferson, you can fish within there as well. There's no spear fishing anywhere in the park. And uh, there is also no lobstering anywhere in the park. Okay. okay. So the lo- out at Loggerhead, on the back side, you have um, incredible coral reef. And uh, one of the largest features is called Little Africa. And uh, you get out there and you swim around. And then you find these other brain corals and you dive down. And you will guaranteed see the largest lobsters you've ever seen in your life. I, I mean, these, they're just monsters, you know, because they've been protected for 30 years or so. And uh, yeah, they're incredible. So it's like going back in time for real. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons Dry Tortugas has remained so capital P pristine is because of our distance from development and populated areas. And so um it's really allowed to kind of flourish and just endure through natural processes and it's doing good. That's because it's one of those places that you really have to want to get to, to get to. And I think that it's a commitment. It, it yeah. builds a little bit of a barrier. So if I can swing back a little bit to one of my earlier questions that I was thinking about was you had mentioned people visiting the park. If they do want to come visit the park, they can come for the day by boat. But there's also camping. Is the camping on uh, at Fort Jefferson? Where is that actually? Yep. So you can camp at Dry Tortugas on Garden Key. So it's Garden Key. right outside the fort walls at what we call the South Beach. And there's 10 sites there. And it's pack in, pack out. You are limited by NPS rules. You can camp there for up to 14 days in a um, row. No more than 30 uh, days in a year. Uh, oh, I had, then, I thought I had read that it was three nights. Oh, okay. Well, right. So that's park service rules and that's standard across the agency, but due to the logistics of transportation. So the only way you can get there for overnight tent camping is via the Yankee freedom, which right. is a commercial ferry service and they limit campers to three nights. And that's in order for them to be able to manage just the amount of gear and people aboard the ship. Um, So you could, you could, somebody could charter a boat and come out and camp for two weeks if they wanted to, you know, the the reality though is when it's a pack in pack out, you know, no fresh water um, that becomes quite the undertaking and you'd need a really large boat when you start to really break down the logistics of 
fuel needed to get out there, supplies to hang around for 14 days. So some people do, you know, sailors, mariners, you can get there, you know, we have a lot of mariners and there's a, there's a, that was one of the things historically why the United States Army Corps of Engineers even built Fort Jefferson was because it had these two really great natural harbors, um, an inner and an outer harbor. And that inner harbor is what is right on the south side of Fort Jefferson. And so we get a lot of mariners that come out there and they're sometimes they're going to or from Mexico or beyond. A lot of people use it as a checkout sale from Key West because it takes a couple days and if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a great way for them to kind of check out on a mid-range trip and ensure that everything's working and they get out to a remote site where there's no services. So uh, you could come out on your own vessel and stay for quite some time if you'd like. Okay. So getting back to loggerhead itself, what is, uh, what is some of the uh, wildlife that we'd be able to see? You mentioned the, the giant lobsters, um, but on the island itself, what might I expect to see? So the wildlife on loggerhead um, is interesting. It's really kind of exists at the micro scale. Um, dry tortugas is very much known for, uh, birding and on the other islands that are east of loggerhead is where most of these birds are nesting. But one of our resident birds is the magnificent frigate. And that's a spectacular creature with, uh, you know, one of the largest wingspans to body mass out there and they ride the thermals and they, they come around and they'll just kind of be hanging around you and, you know, hovering and you really get to kind of spend time with them. And to me, they really exemplify sort of the pace and the tempo of the dry t- tortugas. You know, they're kind of just cruising and taking it all in. Um, you're going to see a ton of hermit crabs. People, I don't think, understand the hermit crab scene at the dry tortugas, and it becomes a highlight, I know, of many people's trips. Um, in the water, it it's just magnificent. I mean, you're going to see lobsters, eels, lemon sharks, reef sharks, puffer fish, starfish, uh, clownfish, parrotfish. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. Um, so it's, it's mostly under the water where things are really alive. And then on, on the Island itself, it's pretty, pretty mellow. Okay. I, um, I have to say that I, I took the, uh, Yankee freedom, I think out to, um, Fort Jefferson, years ago and I snorkeled around one of the walls there and it's the first time I ever saw a seahorse in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so, you know, they're they're hard to find here for sure. Yep. Yeah. One of the coolest things I've ever seen out there is a cuttlefish and um, just incredible cuttlefish. And then I also like seeing uh, little squids, you know, they're right under the surface of the water and hanging out in their groups. And they're just so neat to see. Like translucent. You know, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, although we're out there and like people think, you know, it's like, it's very slow and you might think like, oh, there's nothing happening. It's busy. But I, like I said, it's kind of at the micro scale. Once you settle sure. into it, you start to see these little things, these subtleties that just, you see every day is something different and new and you'll start to focus at a different, from a different perspective. And, um, if your mind's in the right place and as artists, I know they are, and I know you, what you guys, you know, kind of understand, you know, what you're, you know, you're, you've got this perspective on things that 
that's what's so great about the residency out there is just to see how the artist's mind receives and perceives loggerhead key and the dry tortugas. And then we like in the and then that's critical because it's your artwork that then communicates this place back to the larger audience. And as a remote national park, that's one of our biggest priorities and biggest challenges is connecting back to our local and broader communities. You know, when it's a place that's remote and expensive and difficult to get to, we still have a responsibility to bring these resources and the understanding of them to the communities. So that's where I think the artist and residence program is so critical. That was so eloquently put, Kelly, I have to say. So if you were going to shine a spotlight on sort of what should be highlighted awareness-wise to do with nature, conservancy, things like that, in and around the Tortugas, what would you think the, the, the biggest priority would be? It's a great question. You know, I think a key thing is this ability to disconnect. You know, we touched on it a little bit earlier, and I think it truly is harder and harder as humans to disconnect, whether that be from technology or even just other human beings. And so when you go to loggerhead, you truly can be the only person standing on that piece of land in the entire universe. And when you do that and you have perspective of that, it's powerful. So I think, you know, it's, you know, sometimes people see disconnectedness as uselessness or emptiness. And I think it's actually something that's fulfilling and that we need more of. And that's what Loggerhead Key offers. Second part of that question. Um, We've talked about it on the show before. I've had sort of a a transcendental experience in New Mexico um, that Carl and I have talked about several times, which is probably what you're alluding to with being that one person on an island in the middle of nowhere, feeling like you could be the only person on earth or that Mm -hmm. that connected to nature. Um, Have you had that experience and what was it like and what time of day? And can you tell us about it? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Loggerhead key. And I was working out there. I was actually, there's a boathouse that exists out there and I was working on some shutters and I was painting the shutters and, um, and I was kind of just doing thing and it was just, it was a beautiful day. It was summertime. So it's, you know, it's hot, it's sweltering hot, humidity's up and you're just kind of like, you're feeling like you're, you're getting a big hug, you know, from that Southern, you know, that, that intense Marine environment. It's kind of like a heavy, warm blanket, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, and then I'd be painting, but then I, look up and I'd look out and I had a, you know, I'm looking out of just a rough window opening on a boathouse and it's framing nothing but, you know, blue, turquoise, indigo, you know, surreal colors of blue. And, and I'm looking out into this vast ocean and it was really, I just, I basically had like this Google I call it my Google Earth perspective where, you know, you're, you see how you, when you zoom in on maps and I was just thinking about mentally, I was trying to zoom out as far as my mind was allowing me to comprehend. And what it did 
was it gave me an overwhelming sense of scale and my the scale of me as one individual human on earth and you could run with it from there right and mm -hmm. whether that's you know my impact whether that's my my uh, production my consumption uh all of it you know what what you put out into the universe and what you take from it and you it, you feel it and and you're living it i mean you can't you can't deny it and if everything went around me if everything around me went away you know like last woman alive you know what what do you do you know what do you do and what's there and what can you use and not use or how would you conserve or not conserve and so it's it's powerful it really is it's it's truly powerful and to be honest and the moderate key is extreme because it it, it that happens. You can be the only ones out there. But I see people, the visitors that come to Garden Key daily, I think, get some of that feeling. And they're there with over 100 other people, but they're so remote and they're so disconnected from their day-to-day -day life that they're starting to tap into that same feeling. And... I hope that that perpetuates some sort of positivity, you know, back in their daily lives when they are connected. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right that while being on Loggerhead Key can have that profound effect, I think that just the act of getting there and being even among just a handful of people can really start to trigger that in you too. I felt some of that when I was in the Pacific Northwest this summer, standing in front of Haystack Rock on Cannon Beach and just amazed at the size of this one rock with the water beating against it and the turns all you know in their nooks and crannies and just realized just how small I was in the world it's amazing how that can happen to you and yeah how, how grateful mm -hmm. you are for that feeling when you have it and recognize it yeah yeah it's it's a funny thing too I mean you know the dry tortugas that that trip out there and that experience for people even on the day trip I think offers a lot of opportunities for people to consider themselves in the universe. And, you know, like one of my favorite interactions with visitors out there was especially those that would come over on the seaplane. And literally I have to say that they would subconsciously ask me, I'd be in a uniform or something and they would come up and say, they'd be holding an empty water bottle and they would say, uh, you know, where's, where's the trash can? <laughs> and I would always, you know, and I would pause and I'd let them kind of hear their own question before I would start to answer it. And then it was, and then we'd start a conversation about it. And it was great for the seaplane folks, I think too, because they like had this experience of kind of island hopping. I'm like, well, let's talk about this. I'm like, you know, you just came over roughly 70 miles of open ocean and you saw how little this island is. And if you hand that water bottle to me, where does that go? You know, and it's just these things that we take for granted. And I think that Dry Tortugas offers people an opportunity to put some of those things into perspective that, you know, are, you know, yeah, it's bigger than us in a lot of ways, but we have to live conscious, you know, consciously and positively. So um, you, you get into just great conversations that way. And especially even with kids, you know, and explaining, well, you leave that here. And now there's no less than five hands that touch that one water bottle, you know, and we transport it by a boat over open water to a truck 
up a, you know, up a road to a dump that puts it on another truck up a road. You know, so you can, it's just, there's all these great opportunities to engage at that level. Um, yeah, I due think to, that's due to the location. That, that's a perfect example. I mean, having you on the podcast, that just, um, for me, that was kind of shocking just hearing you say it, you know, like, where's the trash, you know? I, yeah, um, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I can see where a lot of people wouldn't even take even take that into consideration when they're on their way there. Um, yeah, being out there, um, after hearing your water bottle story, it definitely made me go, ah, yeah, I, I remember thinking <laughs> on the way back when we had to take our trash back and the long boat ride back, I was very reflective thinking about what I had seen and where I had been and just imagining um, – can you, can you imagine being a prisoner on that island um, and then yeah. the, the epidemic that happened on the island and how far away you were, especially then? I mean, that was 100 plus years ago. So, yeah, um, yeah. The pointing out that, that all the hands that have to touch the water bottle to get it to a place where it could be recycled, if that was the case, should really reside with the person who's carrying the water bottle. Um, Correct. And, yeah. And, and that's almost a metaphor for life in a way. You know, I totally agree. It is. And I, I think it, it absolutely makes you think about your impact, you know, your foot, your footprint on the planet and what things you can do in your daily life. And I imagine that most of the artists that come away from it all bring that forward as part of what they talk about. That's another thing I wanted to bring up was, um, is there an opportunity for the artist to get over to Fort Jefferson for a day or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. People typically do. They come over. Sometimes it is just for a little socialization. Um, other times, you know, it might be for some supplies. So we have small boats out at the park and we can come over and pick you up and bring you over for a few hours and bring it back. And, and yes, so you can get over to Garden Key if you like. Cool. Okay. So then one more thing that I was thinking of is, you know, the, the remoteness of the location and where it is. I've seen some photographs, um, but I just imagine that the dark sky opportunities for photography there are just astounding. Astounding. Um, another, another natural resource, dark sky that is going away across the world. And um, for sure, there's a tremendous, uh, you know, there's people doing great work on this and we, we had a, a friend of mine uh, that came out and um, this guy works on a project called sky glow that if you want to see what's going on with night skies uh, check out sky glow. And there's a great video of dry tortugas, but the night sky out there is fabulous. I mean, there's some ridiculous amount of statistics about the number of people on earth that have cannot see the Milky way. Well, every single person that goes to the dry tortugas will see the Milky way. That's beautiful. Um, it literally is just like a rainbow across the sky draped from, from, you know, horizon to horizon. Um, and then just spectacular, uh, meteors and, and shooting stars. I mean, if you're into the constellations or just, you know, you can see, that's the other thing you can, you can see these constellations, you know, that all the, you know, you hear about as a kid and you kind of know about them and then you go out there and you're like, Oh yeah, there it is. There's, you know, there's the, the, the seven sisters and, and uh, you know, Scorpio and it's, it's all there. And, you know, quickly, one of my most memorable moments ever in my time out there was um, 
just staying up all night, stargazing. And I was sitting on a chair within the parade ground of Fort Jefferson. And it's like a Coliseum kind of situation almost mm. where the night sky, right, is rising and setting up. It rises up the fort walls and then sets over them on the other side. And, you know, I could see Scorpio rising. And it was just like at first and, you know, after several hours, there it is. It's all out there and this huge scorpion laid out across the sky. And then you watch it move and set. And it's another take on perspective. It's uh, it's incredible. So and it, it's, uh, another major highlight. And it's really such such a resource that unless you get away from the light, you cannot see it anymore. I was even two years ago, I spent an overnight photographing the Milky Way in the Everglades. And mm -hmm. even in that remote a spot, you've still got light coming from Miami across the bottom of the horizon. And there's no place there that you can really, truly get a fully, fully dark sky. But I mean, I imagine that Dry Tortugas is about as good as it gets for that. And it, it's I, a, it is. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine doing some time-lapse footage of of the night sky and oh i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. it it is and even i mean you know we we as the park service could do a better job even with some of our lights out there but um it is and then you get out to, so you get to loggerhead so you're another two and a half miles west from garden key you know and looking west i mean next stop galveston galveston texas <laughs> you know there is nothing but ocean and sky mm. and it is spectacular Okay, I really, really have to do this residency. And I've been painting nocturnes for, <laughs> for the last year. So, uh, yeah. yeah. We have one of Shannon's Milky Way paintings in our uh, living room, and I look at it every single day, and it's like counting the days until we can, till we hopefully are selected. And uh, actually, this is a really good time to bring up a point that I was supposed to do at the very beginning of the podcast, and that's that um, – Kelly and her role has absolutely nothing to do with the selection of the re of the artist residents. Uh, this conversation does does not give us a leg up and is not a conflict of interest for her in any way. So I wanted to bring that up. And in fact, the National Park Service actually lets the National Park Arts Foundation be the people who administer and select the artists. And then absolutely correct. when you get to the island, and when you get to Loggerhead, that's really where the National Park Service works with you. But it's long after you have already been selected and gone through the process. I just wanted to make sure that I did that was mention clear. that because we did talk <laughs> about it. Um, I certainly don't want to yeah. put Kelly into any position of a conflict of interest. Yeah, I, I think, Kelly, uh, this has been absolutely wonderful just how thankful I am that you came on the podcast. And I think you're a wonderful ambassador for the park service. Um, cause I know this is in your free time. You're not working right now. And what you've, what you've brought to the conversation, um, is actually, I thought it was going to be surprising, but it's been a little more surprising than I actually expected it to be. And I'm just so thankful for you for joining us. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed the conversation. I want to echo what Shannon said, and I just have one last question I want to ask you. I think it's the perfect one to sum, us, sum this all up with is, all right, if you had the chance to talk to artists who have been selected for a residency before they get there, before they've put their plan together of what they're doing, what's the one, the one piece of advice that you think is vital for them to have before they go out there? Oh, wow. 
that's that's tough there is a tortuga factor so this isn't going to help anything but have a plan and plan for that plan to fail and have another plan <laughs> in, in another part of my life i was a project manager and one of our favorite quotes was that no project plan survives first contact with implementation so i totally get there you that. go i mean it, you know it, it's tough i mean Really, or, or really another way to just say it is, uh, man, just enjoy the ride, whatever it is. It might end up being everything works out swimmingly. It could end up you get blown off the island on your third day by a cat flag hurricane, which has happened before. Um, whatever it is, it all is part of experiencing this remote and special place that is the Dry Tortugas National Park. Excellent. I love Beautiful. it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And with that, Kelly, thank you so much. We're going to let you go and we'll finish up uh, with just a little bit of. Yeah. Just close up. Close up shop and, and, and run the jingle. <laughs> yeah. And stay in touch as we will. I love seeing you guys on social media and I wish you guys luck and um, yeah, let's just stay in touch. Absolutely. We will. Perfect. Thanks okay. so much, Kelly. Great. Yeah, thank you. All right, good night. Bye. Wow, that was a great conversation, Sean. I was floored. I was floored a couple of times. Yeah, I, I actually I enjoyed being able to sit back and listen and let you talk for a while, and we both had some great questions. I was really, I really enjoyed this conversation, and it's got me all keyed up to do the application now. I'm I'm ready to to try again. Yeah, she brought a, a breath of fresh air to the uh, to the podcast, definitely. Um, and she answered some of the questions without even having to ask. Um, right. Like, I wanted to ask her, uh, um, what do you think visitors get when they come out to Fort Jefferson? And she just came, they just rolled right out. You know? Exactly. I asked one question, and I had to cross off the next four questions <laughs> because she answered them all as part of the first question. And her, and her um, I think it was amazing that her... Um, keen sense of what's going on there um, with um, the aquatic situation, um, the marine life, um, the birds. Uh, she knows the structures. She knows the waters, the laws regarding the waters. We like were talking everything. to the right person yeah, tonight. Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for finding her and bringing Kelly to the podcast. This was all you, and I'm, I'm so happy you did it. Yeah, I just happened to stumble upon her on social media and yeah, what a blessing. I love how those connections happen. That's great stuff. So, uh, what's in store for you for the next week or two? I know you're, you're, you're working hard and you're doing that and you're trying to squeeze in your painting when you can. So what are you planning on working on? Um, well, I just applied this week for a residency, um, in France. Nice. Um, and uh, it's in the Champagne region and it's in a uh, chateau, big chateau, it would be uh, wonderful. Um, they give away one golden ticket a year. So mm. I would love to get the golden ticket, um, especially with this, because this is going to be um, a little costly to get out there and do this this particular residency Absolutely. when we get it. Um, but the golden ticket would be amazing to go to France for a couple of weeks and paint. And, of course, the Golden Foundation, I have a couple more weeks, but I'm working on that for residency, which is 
on that topic you just mentioned about the expense of the residency, when we do finally get accepted and it's time to start the planning, we will be offering through our website and through social media, we will be offering premiums, prints of some paintings, prints of some of my photographs that we can sell to help offset some of the costs that we'll incur for doing the residency. Like you, I've been applying to residencies this week. So Obviously, I, I've been working on the one for Big Cypress. That was why I wanted to get back in the swamp and photograph today. So I had some fresh photos to send in for that one. And that's due on August 31st. There's another one in Sonoma County, California at Chalk Hill Winery. They do quite a few artists a year, anywhere from two to eight weeks. They have a house set up for the artists to work in the vineyard and do their art there. So that one's due also before September. So that's You'll the come one. home with purple feet. Smashing grapes by day, photographing at night. That's all right with me. (laughs) As long as I get to drink some wine, I'll be fine. That's going to be your Indian name. (laughs) Paints with purple feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm looking forward to hearing that you get accepted in some of your residencies. Obviously, we're teamed up for this big one, but we are working independently on ones that strike our fancy as well. So there'll be more about that. We're going to do more interviews coming up with people who have done residencies of interest. And it sounds like Kelly's got us lined up for a whole bunch of people that we wouldn't have had access to before talking to her. So stay tuned. We're going to have more great stuff coming up. Take care. Good talking to you, Shannon. Talk to you again next week. Ciao.